1: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Myself. I call them kitchen shelfies. <laughs> I know you're saying don't quit the day job. Oh, I worked all day on that one. Sorry I've had a little internet connection problem today. Uh, Causes a little clipping in my head, and it's it's uh, unbearable. Uh, but I did want to mention, like one of the emails I saw come through, and I hope you look at everything in your life as a financial discussion with yourself. I saw an email come in from Chase. I've got a Chase Double Cash Card. Love it. No, actually, the City Double Cash Card. I got a Chase uh, Amazon Card. So Chase I sends me an email it, and says, "I love it. I, I love it. I love it." Uh, that's me after partaking in some champagne. Um, I know you're saying you don't really drink champagne, do you?
0: I love scotch. Yep. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch, scotch. Here it goes so, down. down
1: Chase sends an email to me that says, get 75,000 points with a new mortgage. And I'm not allowed to say this word. Um, but are you freaking kidding me? 75,000 points for a new mortgage? It's just freaking frack. It's that radio show, right? Um, right. That's egregious. That's egregious. That's like... A mortgage is one of the biggest financial products you're going to run into, right? And yet, we as a nation have no problem saying, I'll take 75,000 points for a mortgage. No, 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 no. Pass on that one if you can. Not saying pass on it completely. I'm saying don't go out and make a financial decision that big based on that. So other stories that kind of tie into that, and keep in mind, there's a big seminar coming up Thursday night, 630 to 830, Toll House Hotel, Los Gatos, California, lots of information, CFP, Chad Burton, com, and myself, all going to be there. Um, and if you go to newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, you can get a podcast, you can get some downloadables, you can see pictures. I know who doesn't want to see pictures, um, but it's all out It's what I'm trying to get at, and... Um, Long story short, you can learn more about the event by going to newfocusfinancial.com. It's all about income and retirement. That's gonna be complicated. As I'm getting older, like I went to the doctor yesterday to have a mole looked at and he says, nope, you're okay. But he said, You know what you're due for, don't you? I go, huh. And he awesome. he's like, I'm like, don't say it. I'm like, don't say it. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, that'll be fun. Oh, so. Boy, is this great? <laughs> Getting old stinks. But the retirement aspect, you can learn a lot about and feel a little bit more comfortable. As comfortable as a colonoscopy, right? Uh, By coming to the Toll House Hotel tomorrow, newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Big event tomorrow, 630 at 830. But you know, I was just talking about a mortgage, right? And cash-strapped Americans are willing to leverage their homes to pay the bills. Americans are pouring into marijuana stocks. Like, they're the hottest investment this year, Right. You're seeing companies like uh, Jewel who does vaping, just rock and roll. But a lot of short sellers are up in their game because they're going after you because they think you're an amateur. But then again, midterm elections could give a boost to marijuana stocks as, again, making it recreational is on a couple more states' ballots. Cash-strapped Americans are willing to leverage their homes. This is the one that that bothers me. 24 million homeowners think it's okay to tap equity in your home to cover everyday payments. Now, when I first moved to the Bay Area back in 2000-ish, I learned that Moran was the BMW capital or BMW capital of the world. And I was like, why? Okay, there's a lot of wealth close by, and you know, there's some tight roads that would be fun to drive. But capital of the world? And it was people taking home equity lines of credit out, selling part of their house in order to buy a car. Now, financial people like myself, Chad Burton and others, we tend not to do that. We tend to drive the same car until it dies. Um, not always. Not always. Some people like to flaunt it. We've got to flaunt it. But as household debt rises and wages stagnate, we've seen a little bit of wage inflation. Millions of Americans are doing, but not wage inflation to offset taking out money from your home. 24 million Americans are borrowing that home equity that has to be paid back. And The problem is when you borrow with home equity, you kind of assume a best-case scenario. You kind of assume that you're not going to go back to it again. And I'm not saying don't do it, because it, like I said, it's a great way of selling your home and getting access to capital. if You're going to go out and redeploy it intelligently, but a car is not intelligent. Now, cash trap millennials, low earners, and less educated are the most likely to think of home equity as a way of solving ordinary bills. Regular household bills should be funded from regular household income, not from a home equity line of credit. But we're seeing it. You know, for some people, when wage growth is elusive, they go, well, I, I can tap this home. And I'll give you the best example that I can. I know a young person who's, you know, she had a lot of questions financially. And I got the backstory on why she had so many questions. It's because her dad had a home in Fremont, California, and he took out equity on it to buy another home. You look around and you see people becoming, you know, millionaires from a $900,000 home going to $2 million. Why not? Let's do that again. Let's get on that party again. And um, her dad took out money to buy a house and he put a renter in it. Then he took out money again and put another renter in another house. Now he's up to three houses, the one he lives in two that he rents they needed it again and they needed it again in the 2006 set and everyone went bankrupt not everyone went bankrupt excuse me the economy went down people lost jobs unemployment soared to 10 to 14 percent, depending on what parts of the country you were in what color your skin was and uh you know what sort of uh, job you had he he had an okay job but not a great one he was a guy who was an airline mechanic for most of his life um was smart enough to buy a home you know, 30 years ago and had enough equity in it that he was able to pull this off. But then the, the recession hit, and when you don't have renters paying the rent for two, three, four months, and you can't put people in to cover the cost of the mortgage, you're in trouble. So in that case, he went bankrupt. And then he took on a second job to kind of like help get his family back on line. Men feel pressure to be perfect. Men feel pressure to provide for their family. So he took on a, like a rug cleaning job while also being an airline mechanic, you don't want your airline mechanic stressed, right? We learned that in Breaking Bad when, um, I won't spoil it, but an airplane plane blows up at some point because an airline mechanic lost his daughter. Okay, I just spoiled it. Well, I hope you weren't on that episode. But, and again, I'm allowed to do that because that was like eight years ago. So one in three homeowners who earn less than $30,000 per year say it's okay to tap into home equity to cover their everyday bills. It's not, and it can badly. It's a real financial decisions. Just like retirement has real financial decisions, and the quality of your life. You don't want to make a mistake and, and have no cash when you're 75. You don't want to have to say, you know, uh, Social Security is covering my house, my mobile park, and I can't eat food. I'm on stamps. Maybe you do want that. About three and four homeowners said home improvements or repairs are an appropriate reason to borrow money. Um, just remember, be careful. Home equity line of credit can get you in a lot of trouble. It could be a blessing or a curse. want to learn more about retirement? Come to the big event tomorrow night in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. Great parking, easy parking, great restaurants locally. You can learn more about this income and retirement event by going to newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Big event coming up tomorrow night in Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. A lot of talk about taxes, estate planning. Ten years before retirement, this is critical that you start educating yourself. Or you could educate yourself for your parents. The event's 25 bucks, but it's free for radio listeners. Um, You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. China's second-in-command is saying we're facing greater difficulties in keeping the economy stable. That's not good. I'll tell you, um, anytime people get hit with poverty, poverty tends to make people angry. And they hold grudges. It's, we've seen it time and time again that sometimes America falls out of favor with the world. Sometimes it's Europe. Sometimes it's just France. Sometimes it's if Afghanistan. Sometimes it's Iraq. But when people die and people get poor, it's pretty easy to radicalize them against Americans. So Chinese Premier said today at the opening of the World Economic Forum that China's confronted with a host of challenges their economy is, is struggling right now because the world needs the U.S. consumer. You could say a lot about the about the United States. We have a great consumer. Will that last forever? Nope. But the way we hit capitalism after World War II, in my opinion, kind of you know rocket shot us into the, the, the economic lead. We really, really built a fortress that's pretty powerful. So... I think a lot of harm is being done, more so than good. And hopefully this kind of resolves itself sooner than later. It's starting to push towards the holiday season when we really become a consumer of Chinese goods on purses and T-shirts and things like that. So the Trump administration announced 10% tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods that would take effect essentially in five days. But then they also said, we're going to throw down another $267 billion. And, and the headlines are bad. The cost of doing business... It won't be as bad as the headlines, but you don't want the world struggling. I know this sounds horrible, but thankfully Saudi Arabia has oil because there wasn't a lot going on in that country, economically speaking, until they developed that market and and flushed it out. Uh, If you look at the greater African continent, their economies aren't strong. They're trying. They're pushing. They're hoping. But poverty is a bad thing. It is a bad thing for the U.S. reputation. It's a bad thing for the people involved. So America's dealing with that. And it's heading towards Christmas time. And we are the world's consumer. And it's going to get more costly. Um, Apple's done a great job. They talked to Trump and said, look, we're building, a, we're building a factory here. And Foxconn said, look, we're building a factory here in the United States. Um, so the job creation is kind of a rock papered and protected Apple. So the work revised ours stock's mentioned. Um but it's out there, right? Stock market had a good day yesterday and it's having a good day today. Good day stock market. Good day. Um because the US consumer strong and we're continuing to consume and we, we the initial things that we were hit with tariffs like washing machines I don't know if Americans know you can get a washing machine for three hundred dollars, or you can get a washing machine for eight hundred dollars. It's pretty random, so that's out there. Be super careful, people, because uh, we should see a slowing. We should see less buying power, uh, but right now it's as good as it gets, and we're good with that. Tilroy, Tilray, take some T L R Y was up fifty percent after going on CNBC's uh, show yesterday where the CEO suggested that businesses would be smart. Drug manufacturers would be smart. Alcoholic beverage companies, ABIs would be smart by by partnering with the the weed companies. And weed stocks are on fire. Um, Be careful. I saw a lot of people hurt with Bitcoin um, because they kind of chase performance. Now, again, I know a guy who's selling um, weed, how would you say, marijuana accessories. And... uh, Marijuana may or may not be your thing, but he's selling accessories online, and you know, like, there's different ways to cut it up, and there's different ways to wrap it. There's different. I I don't know the all the ins and outs of it, Um, but even like vape pens, I hear some of them fall apart because they're made in China, (laughs) and some of them are made in America, and they're they've made America great again uh, because it's a stronger product. I don't know, but uh, long story short, be very very careful. Uh, Professional money's betting against it. And it's just, it's it's a battle. I don't like it. Housing starts and building permits for August didn't move the needle today. Building permits are important because it's future work. Permits decline 5.7% month to month. Now, again, you could say, well, aren't permits more important uh, at the beginning of the year as you move into spring and summer when the weather's great and you can build houses? Generally speaking, you could kind of say that. Um, but permits... A leading indicator for single-family homes fell 6.1% month over month, driven by declines in all four geographic reason, uh, regions. So you could say, like, the south, the west, um, northeast, Midwest. and mid-to-west. And if we're not building new homes, it's going to be a bit of a problem because we just saw a lot of homes destroyed in the Carolinas, right? A lot of homes destroyed in the wildfires, right? All right, all right, all right. Um, so... That's kind of interesting. Ten-year treasury is unchanged at 3.05%. So it's holding 3%. Now, if you were to say, give me something positive, Rob. Banking stocks should have a very good year next year. Not all of them. Total broker providers are taking action on stocks mentioned on the show. Banks have trailed the broader market recently. And uh, basically over a good period of time right now. Bank stocks haven't performed as well as many had hoped. Bank earnings have been more robust now. Um, and they're building banks have been uh, having to pay you know, a lot of the spreads. Slow loan growth has been a major argument for bears, people who don't want the stocks to go higher. So are we tapped out? It's a good question. But a lot of favorite bank names are like names like Bank of America, Citigroup, CIT Group, Goldman Sachs. Um, and then there's an ETF of bank stocks called XLF. You could look into that. I think you should have a diversified portfolio. I think you should be patient. I'd be very cautious chasing performance. Um, maybe sometimes that boat has sailed. But uh, consult Burke Visor, do what you gotta do. Big event coming up tomorrow night in Los Gatos at the Toll House Hotel. Can't wait to see you. It's a great location. Get there early because traffic could be tough, but parking's easy. You can sign up at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. Use code Radio Twenty Five to get in for free.
0: Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area airwaves weekday mornings from seven to nine on AM twelve
1: twenty KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW Radio app or KDOW Biz.
0: And don't forget the weeknight replay at seven. CFB chatter Hello. Burton. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs>
1: Good. What a train wreck. Oh. <laughs> it's tough, man. i was i was gonna replay one of your segments earlier later and that didn't fire correctly uh but we got you live and happy for it uh big event coming up thursday night we'll look at your calendar that's tomorrow uh 6 to 8 30 toll house hotel Lots of information at newfocusfinancial.com. Read that information. See if it's appropriate for you because it's a big event. It's on taxes. It's on investing in retirement. It's on income strategies. It's a lot of content. Is it going to solve all of your retirement woes and needs? Probably not, but it's a good start. It's a good start to get to know CFP, Chad Burton, and myself as well. Find out more information at newfocusfinancial.com. So, Chad, one of the things you're talking about that's really, really tough to make interesting on radio is yield curves, and flattening versus spreading out. um, It ties into the banks, it ties into money, it ties into lending. Why do we care, or why does the listener care in this scenario?
0: Well, in a normal environment, if you're gonna lock your money up for 10 years instead of two years, you wanna be paid a higher coupon, right, a higher interest payment On a quarterly or annual basis, if you're going to lock your money up, 10 years, right? That that just seems pretty normal. Usually a two-year CD pays much less than a five-year CD at a bank. But right now, the two-year Treasury note is yielding around 2.8%, and the 10-year Treasury is at 3%. So that's what's called the flattening of the yield curve. The shorter-term rates have been coming up as the Federal Reserve has been dealing with interest rates, while the 10-year really hasn't been moving. In fact, every time it hits about 3%, it tends to be falling back down to around two point eight five percent. It's just this kind of roller coaster ride. So people just aren't getting paid to lock their money up a long period of time, um, and it's th- that kind of issue causes some pain in bond funds, which tend to buy longer term bonds. And th- people are going to notice a decline in their bond fund values for uh, this the year to date so far, Rob. So you know this this event that we're doing on Thursdays for people that are ten years from retirement or in retirement. And that's the point where it's really key to start transitioning your portfolio allocation to make sure you're becoming a little bit more conservative. That typically means bonds. And so a lot of people are kind of at the FOMO if you're missing out on stock market returns, and they're looking at bond funds saying, that's just not super attractive to me. So it, it's a tough situation for retirees to be in. Um, and I get it, and there's, there's certain things that you might want to look at instead of just dumping it right into a bond fund.
1: That is, like I said, it's pretty dry content. Um, it's tough to make that well, thank sexy. You. And, well, no, no. no it, it, that's what I, I think one of the problems is with investing and saving for retirement, don't you think? Is that people don't, you know, people kind of gravitate towards sexy. And they're like, well, what can I do with Tesla? What can I do with weed stocks? What can I do with Bitcoin? Flattening the yield curve is kind of, it's dry. Uh, but it's yep. important. So, eh, I don't want to oversell that and... Uh, scare people. It is ultimately what it is, and you can find out more. Come talk to CFP, Chad Burton, Thursday night, 630 to 830, Las Gatos, Toll House Hotel. A lot of information at newfocusfinancial.com. Use code radio25. Um, options, uh, options for investors. Are, are we talking stock options here? Are we talking about you know ideas as you head towards retirement options? Because... When I get asked questions on retirement, I'm like, well, let me, th- let me finish that. When I get asked about retirement by people, I go, well, you have this option of working longer and making it easier for yourself, or you can try to start it now. Um, let's talk a little bit about bonds and retirement and, and options that people have, especially in this bond environment that's so dry and confusing.
0: Yeah, yeah and what I was talking about at the 6 o'clock show is people are going to be looking. Let's say you're 55 years old and you okay, i got to start adding bonds. And you start looking at the returns in your bond funds in your 401K. And you're, wow, the market's, the stock market's up, but bonds are actually down. So, like, PIMCO total return's down almost 2%. I think our total bond market index is down a little over 1%. Um, so people are kind of like, oh, well, maybe now is not the time to add. And they're not all like that. And even when interest rates rise, there are certain managers that can be okay during that type of an environment. So what are your choices in your 401k? You know you need to add some conservative positions, if you're worried about rising rates. Um, At least look at things like the stable value fund that might be in your 401k that still might be yielding around 2% but is not as subject to interest rate increases and declines like some of the bond funds are. Let's say you're looking at your bond portfolio in your 401k and you're like, oh, well, wait. Chet bonds are down, but this strategic income fund is up. The strategic income funds are names that I think should be disallowed because a lot of those funds are junk bonds, mixed with 5 to 10% in stocks. And so the yeah. returns have been good. However, if we go into a recession, those things get hammered pretty, pretty tough. And people right. aren't as conservative as they think they are. So the other option is most 401Ks now allow a brokerage link where you can open up an account within your 401K at Schwab or Fidelity or other places, and you can actually buy CDs inside your 401K um, or better bond choices. So maybe get some outside advice. Take a look at your bond portfolio, and is it right for you
1: right now? Big event coming up Thursday night, six thirty to eight thirty. Um, I hope I don't get electrocuted because I was hearing some cutting in and out. That would make for good radio. So, and by the way, the mole I had looked at yesterday was not cancerous. So that's a that's a relief, right? About... <laughs>
0: Congratulations!
1: <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, you know, that's probably like the one thing I would never want to talk about on radio moles. It just doesn't work. It just like it's it's disgusting. Anyway. Um, Bond ladder. Yeah, you're still doing now, it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what was the point. Thank you for showing the curtain, what's behind it. Um, so you just talked about Bond products that have stocks mixed in. And I've always known hybrid products have problems because it's easy to sell one way or the other. But it's it's still a problem, and that's, that's concerning. How about Bond ladders? Because... You know, twenty, thirty years ago, we were talking about hey, you get a one-year ladder, and then get a one-year bond, and then get a, a two-year bond, and a three-year bond in your retirement, and then in four years you're you're living off that one-year bond, and you buy another one-year bond or a three-year bond at that point in time, and you kind of ladder it up. Is that still a strategy? Because that was it was kind of simplistic and it was kind of easy to understand.
0: Yeah, yeah. Prior to two thousand five or so, that was kind of an easy thing to do is buy you know bonds. Laddering means you have chunks of money that, and what I would used to do is have. Large chunks of money mature in the bond portfolio every five years, so you could say, do I need to replenish my cash, or do I need to just reinvest in, you know, fifteen or twenty-year bonds? And prices got tough, um, interest rates got low, so it's like, why am I locking up money for fifteen years at four and a half percent? So I say no to the bond ladder right now. On the other hand, there's certain places like Kathy Jones, Chief in Fixed Income Strategist Schwab, is still saying, go out and buy. You know, start with a two-year maturity type thing and then ladder from there. But, look, I look online and I can see 12-month CDs from Synchrony Bank at 2.45% versus, you know, two, and three, two to 10-year bonds yielding about three. So, what's, what's the point in buying individual bonds? When you, if you think rates will be higher, park it in a CD for 12 months. And buy then, or what we do is we do a little bit of that for people's safe money, but then we still own normal bonds. We own some unconstrained bonds, where the manager has the ability to hedge some rates and go anywhere, as well as companies that do institutional work only, so you don't have retail investors running for the door if rates go up. And they're kind of in the three- to seven-year maturity range. That's where they're buying right now. And those bonds have done fairly well.
1: Anything else that we should hit on, or just you want to plug the seminar?
0: Other options, too, like I said, brokerage link inside your 401k, in-service rollovers if you're age 55 or older. Sometimes you can roll money out of your 401k into an IRA, but there's some pitfalls for that. Like You might not be able to do a Roth anymore, Um, so be careful with that. But just look at your overall options. That 10-year period, we'll talk about that event. You've got to get your expenses in order, your allocation in order, and your tax plan in order so that you'll be ready in 10 years to retire.
1: Sounds good. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. you will see uh, pictures of him and I there. You'll get all sorts of data that you can download for free. You can get um, read the blogs. There's that. There's the podcast available as well. And uh, come out and meet us. Sign up for the event Thursday evening, 630 to 830. That's 630 to 830 uh, Thursday at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos, California. Big event. Um, years kind of wrapping up. And I always kind of like the wrap-up shows, like what to expect for the rest of the year and what to expect next year. Um, I think a lot is going to hinge on the midterm elections um, and the resolution of the tariffs when and if they do happen. But uh, we'll talk about some of these things for sure. Uh, retirement income and tax planning seminar, Toll House Hotel, uh, very complicated retirement has become. And you know, with the bond situation being what it is. If yields were higher, it'd be like, ooh, let's cruise in retirement. But when yields are lower and you're saying you know stocks make more sense than bonds, but then valuations get stressed, are you prepared for a downdraft? That's a good, good, good question. Better to think about it before it happens so you have your options, not stock options, but options, social security strategies, good and bad retirement products, long-term care costs, lots of content. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Come out and hang out with me and Chad in Los Gatos. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. The ranking of the highest-grossing concert tours in Billboard history, history, it's pretty unaltered year to over year, but last year you saw two new entries, and they jumped high. Coldplay, who you're hearing right now, jumped to number three overall with a gross of $523 million from its head full of dreams tour. After I had a run of basically a year and a half, I think they came to the Bay Area twice. <laughs> like, I think we'll do a little thing called the Super Bowl and get a lot of people eyeballing us. And then we'll go around the world and make a lot of money. Pull out the rakes. Now you understand why the NFL wants the ax to pay them. Total 5.4 million tickets were sold during a five-continent trek that launched at the end of March 2016. It hit stadiums worldwide, 114 sold-out performances in 83 venues, 13 of which topped 10 million in sales for multiple showruns. Not too shabby. Now, Place at seven albums they may not be your cup of tea but you gotta have some respect for who jumped up to number four on that list guns and roses hit the all-time tour list at four How did Didn't they break up like 20 years ago they had a 475 million dollar overall gross from 123 headlining performance on its five continent trek that's still ongoing with the end of the band's 2017 touring schedule in november more than 4.3 million tickets have been sold not in this lifetime that was the name of the tour. Guns N' Roses also made festival appearances during both years of the tour, beginning with a headlining slot at Coachella in April 2016. Uh, Axel actually showed up, which is pretty darn crazy. Now, let's take a look at the tours that had the biggest box office history run. Cirque du Soleil's Mike Jackson from 2011-2014, right there at $360 million. The police come in at number nine, the reunion tour, pulled in $362 million. Vertigo by U2 was number eight, $389 million. Madonna, Sticky and Sweet, $408 million. ACDC, Black Ice, Fire! $441 million back in 2008. Roger Waters, The Wall Live, pulled in $459 million over three years. Guns N' Roses, I just talked about, $475 million. Coldplay, $523 million. The top grossing tours of all time. Rolling Stones, A Bigger Bang, 2005 to 2007. $558 million. And you too, the 360 tour, pulled in the number one spot with $736 million from 2009 to 2011. Not too shabby. Microsoft president Brad Smith has talked a lot about the future in a new book. It's called The Future Computed. I just finished it. It's fantastic. Um, and it talks about the future and artificial intelligence and our personal digital assistants and how they're going to be integrated into our life kind of as an alter ego. It says 20 years from now, your digital assistant goes through your calendar and talks to your other electronic devices to plan your day while you sleep. It may tell your car, hey, you better go get gas because he's running late. With an eye on your sleep cycle, that wakes you up at a time which is, you're going to feel the most refreshed within a window of time you've previously approved. So 20 years from now, you're going to have a digital assistant that looks at your sleep cycle while you're sleeping, it's going to jump into your calendar and go, oh, no, he forgot an appointment. He's oversleeping. Wake him up. As you get ready, your assistant reads you read the news, reports, social media activity, that it's determined to be the most of interest to you. Apple is said to be developing this technology right now for its HomePod, which is going to be a big speaker. So and it's going to say, Siri, read me the news. So it's going to read news, reports, social media activity. That's the most important to you. I would love that because I'm pretty routine, right? A digital assistant can figure me out. There's very few days where I'm like, hey, I want to know about the Warriors. I want to know about the Giants. I want to know about the Sharks. I I, don't want to know about the Capitals. I don't want to know about the uh, Mavericks. I rarely stray. It'll update you on your weather, your upcoming meetings, and people you see that day and suggest the best time to leave the house based on traffic. We're starting to see some of that there. When I pull out my phone, I get ready to get in my car. It knows that I'm either going to San Francisco or Fremont or The gym. Those are the only places I go. Sometimes I go home. Your first meeting of the day will be with an international team and held remotely before you leave the office. You put on a pair of mixed reality glasses. You greet your colleagues. You appear before them in a virtual boardroom. You all put in an earpiece so that each side's language is automatically translated for the other without lag. We're already starting to see some of that. Google came out with some earpieces last year that i gotten mixed reviews, but mostly pretty good. Your sister's coming into town. It books a restaurant for you before you stop and think about it. You got Valentine's Day on the calendar. You forgot. Oh, it, it's got you covered. It'll summarize discussions for you. You know, the board meeting one. I don't know if I'll ever have international contacts. I seriously, I want less than more right now. I'd rather have a lake than a flight to China, but. It's also something that it's, it's – Chad and I ran a, a meeting with the team up in Oregon, Washington, and tied together to California. And he uses um, go-to meeting, And I'm like, that doesn't work really well because when you're all in one room and you cackle and tell a joke, none of us can hear or see what's funny. And none of us can hear the point. While you work on your presentation, your assistant offers supplementary information about the topic you're focused on. It's a pretty good book. I highly recommend him. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
0: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding.
1: He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.